0: Few things are harder than the mission of raising your kids. At The Dad Project, we get experienced dads to reveal what's worked for them, offering practical, time-tested advice. Being a successful dad is tough, and we're here to help you get it done. Welcome to The Dad Project. In this episode of The Dad Project, Jim Tierney discusses how we dads can be better friends with those we live with right in our own homes. Jim is co-founder of The Dad Project. He and his wife have 10 children. For this talk on how we dads can foster a spirit of friendship within our own homes, I want to start with a quote from the British poet William Blake who was writing during the romantic era and he said the bird a nest the spider a web man friendship i think what he was saying is that friendship is where we belong and where we're at home and as dads and husbands i think it's up to us to foster that in our own homes i want to make a bold suggestion that it is our job as dads, and husbands to lay down our lives for our families. Now, this is something that we could think sounds scary and daunting and like a lot of work and that it's going to make for an unpleasant family life over the course of our lives. But I think if we embrace this duty, we can build true friendship in our home and actually create quite a joyful atmosphere. What I want to go through is several questions we could ask ourselves about what we're doing right now today to create an atmosphere of friendship within our own homes. And then when we get to the end of these questions and we have answers for ourselves, or we decide that maybe we need to ask different questions and go through those, I have some other thoughts about how we can get started on the real work of creating an atmosphere of friendship in our homes. So if any of you are wondering out there, where do I start? I think it's worth going through the exercise of asking ourselves, is it too late for me? I mean, wherever you are on answering this question, it's worth getting all the objections that we might come up with out there on the table. Maybe we'd say, oh, I've been married six months, and so I'm too far into it. It's too late for me to start. Or I've been married five years, or I've been married 15 years, 30 years, 45 years. And so it's just too late for me to get started on something like this. Maybe we'd throw out that, well, I'm not good at this. It's going to take too long. It's going to take too much work to get good at it. Maybe we'd say, well, my wife is fill in the blank or she isn't fill in the blank or some other combination of reasons that we might throw out there that basically say this is never going to work. Okay, once you've got all your objections out there on the table, maybe you write them down, maybe you type them out, and it's an eight-point, single-space, three- or four-page double-sided document of all the reasons we're thinking about why it's too late for me to get started on creating an atmosphere of friendship in my home. I'm going to suggest that at that point, ask your wife, ask one of the kids, ask a pastor, Ask a trusted friend. It strikes me that this question, is it too late, is one where we could very easily talk ourselves into something. And at the same time, the people around us who care about us could disabuse us of our silly objections just as easily as we talked ourselves into them. And look, if I haven't talked you into it yet, just write this down it's not too late. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who have a spouse or a child who's got a special situation, and it's going to make it really hard to build an atmosphere of friendship in the home. But I also think there are amazing stories throughout history of people who worked at this really hard and brought people back, especially people who were of goodwill, brought people back into friendship. Probably even some people who weren't of goodwill. Okay, next question. I could ask my wife and my kids, how could I, as your husband, be a better friend to you? How could I, as your dad, be a better friend to you? Now, I'm going to admit, this could feel very risky. I mean, it's really another version of asking the question, what do you think I need to work on in order to be a better husband or a better dad? I think though if we make ourselves vulnerable or willing to ask this question, I think we might get some really interesting answers from the people around us who really care about us. The third question, what is my reentry like into the home at the end of each day? Another way you could put it is, what is it like for dad to come home? Am I flopping down on the couch exhausted, wanting to be left alone while I switch gears? Or Am I going and finding my wife and saying, what can I do to help you? These are very different ways to approach coming home. And there are a lot of different variations that could fall in the middle there. The key point is to get down to the answer about whether I am acting like I should be served or I'm acting like I should serve. Setting an example that I should serve sends a really powerful message to my kids. Fourth question. How am I modeling acts of service in the home? Do I contribute to the actual operation of the home? Now, maybe this isn't doing the kids chores for them and saying, you know, you worked really hard on your multiplication tables today. You should just relax. Take it easy. You had a long day. I'll take the trash out for you. No, I'm not saying that, but the kids should see dad working. You know, in this age of information economy jobs, Children have a greatly reduced understanding of what dad does in his job to support the family. In eras gone by, kids were working right alongside dad out in the fields, and it was very easy to see how dad was the strongest person in the family, how dad knew how to fix everything, how dad knew just what to do when you ran into problems. But nowadays, when so many of us just tap away on our keyboards all day, it's really hard for kids to understand how we're out there adding value to our employers. Let me just throw a quick idea out there. One resolution we could make to get better in this area is to decide I'm going to fix more stuff around the house. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of you listening out there who are very good at this, who are very handy. I'm not particularly handy, but I had a friend advise me that it's good for kids to see dad working to fix things around the house. And nowadays there are so many videos online that can show you exactly what you need to do in order to get something fixed, that it's worth doing a little bit of homework and then gathering the kids in and saying, come on, you're going to help me. We're going to go fix this thing. Okay. My next question, how am I modeling listening? You know, I noticed this in the workplace So few people are listened to in this age we live in. I think we have to start a revolution right in our own homes where people are listened to. And we can model this for the other people in our family. You know, I still have little kids. My youngest is five months old. Little kids can't know or sense or remember to ask if I'm available or not. So it's on me to be able to shift gears if my four-year-old comes out up to me and asks, "Can you show me how to draw a raccoon?" I don't know how to draw a raccoon, I can probably do a better job than a four-year-old. And so I have to be open to that invitation. I have to be willing to listen. I have to be willing if I'm working from home, trying to get caught up on stuff I wasn't able to finish at the office for the day. I have to be willing to shift gears, listen to my child, and engage them, especially the little kids, you know, I may only get home right as we're about to serve dinner. And so I may only interact with them for at most a couple hours a day. It's up to me to make sure I listen really well and teach them that they live in a home where they will be listened to. So that down the road, when the questions are more serious than can you show me how to draw a raccoon, that they will still feel comfortable coming to me. And if there's a struggle there, I'd suggest making a resolution to work on that. Something concrete that you can do every day to get better at listening right in your own home. Okay, my next question. Does our family make room or time for things that are fun and make us different? An important time that we protect in our home is dinner time. We really like to spend time practicing the art of conversation around our dinner table. In our house, it's just not okay to give a surly, one-word answer to a question from somebody else around the table. And I've employed a lot of people over the years, and I see that so few people get taught how to have a meaningful conversation with somebody else. It's something I end up having to coach others in in my workplace all the time. How about aspects of your family culture that make you different and can make you feel at least a little better than the prevailing culture around you out there? Maybe these are things that you celebrate, special milestones in your family, dates that you remember, reasons for having a little party, a get together, a poetry recital. Maybe they're family prayers that you say, or poems that everyone has memorized, songs that are particularly meaningful to your family. All these things can build a family culture and make kids feel like they have friends so that even if they go out into the world, and feel that they run into challenges, they know they can come home and have a place that's familiar, where people are going to sing the same songs and tell the same jokes, and it's going to be fun and meaningful to them. Okay, last question. Is there room for loneliness in my home? You know, I often say that I think our society is going through a real epidemic of loneliness. And I believe that there are just a lot of people out there who don't feel that they have anybody that they can turn to who will listen to them. We dads and husbands have to know if loneliness is at work in our home. And so even though we may work long days and work really hard, we've got to spend time in conversation individually with each of our kids, with our wives, to make sure that they are not suffering from loneliness. And if they are, or we suspect that they are, we need to do something about it. Okay, so those are my questions. And again, you might feel like every one of those questions just hits you right between the eyes and is a perfect fit for you. You might feel that only one or two of them are something that you're dealing with right now. And if that's the case, I encourage you to come up with your own questions that ask what the ways are that you can help to foster friendship within your home. Once we have answers to these questions, it's now our job to figure out how we're going to tackle them. You know, I've led a lot of businesses over the years. There are a lot of different ways, frameworks, you could call them execution models, that people have come up with to help leaders think about how to identify goals, how to identify actions to pursue the achievement of those goals, and how they're going to measure their progress. So, for the purposes of this talk, I'm going to use the framework of goal, action, and measurement. So let's say I ask the question about whether my family makes time for certain things that make us different, and I come to the conclusion that I'm not as good as I could be on family dinners. Maybe there are some times when I stay at work one or two hours later because I really want to finish something up, but the effect that that has is that maybe some of my kids are in bed by the time I get home, and maybe I'm just fooling myself, telling myself, oh, I'll catch up with them on the weekends, they'll be fine. You know, raising those little kids at home, that's really my wife's job. That's her domain. They'll be fine, and we'll get some quality time on Saturday. I think this is the wrong approach. Many years ago, I had an experience which led me to conclude that I needed to be home for dinner every single night that I wasn't out of town traveling for business. And I'd say I've made good on that about 90% of the time. So let's say our goal is, I want to make it home for more family dinners. Or maybe you're going to throw out a really big, bold goal and say, I'm going to make it home for every family dinner. Whatever it is, you set your goal. I'm going to make it home for every family dinner. I'm going to make it home for two dinners a week. Whatever it is, that's your goal. Then define what your action is. I'm going to be home every night. I'm not out of town for work. Or I'm going to be home every Tuesday and Thursday, whatever it is. And then the measurement. I'm going to check in before I go to bed, not wait till I'm too exhausted so that I skip the exercise of checking in with myself. But I ask myself the question, did I do it or did I not do it? It's good to have goals and actions where we can just say I either accomplished the action or I didn't. Yes or no. Let's say I also feel like I need to get better on acts of service. Again, I'm not saying we have to take over all the chores for one of our kids, but let's say I come up with an action that I'm going to do all the dinner dishes every Saturday night. Saturday night, hopefully it's, you know, in the middle of the weekend and I can spare the time. I've hopefully had the time to catch up on any work that I was going to do on Saturday. Saturday night, I can give my kids a break, let them run around outside Let them build their own friendships, and I can support that. I can foster the building of sibling friendships in my house. And maybe my wife even wants to join me. Again, I check in at the end of the day on Saturdays. Did I do it or did I not do it? Yes or no? Let's go all the way back to the beginning and say, I've got this belief that it's just too late for me to start this. Maybe my kids are adult and out of the house maybe there's some particular situation going on with my wife, I'm going to suggest that I have learned over and over again in life that it's never too late to begin again. And I just think there are so many examples of great figures in history, leaders, whether they be government leaders, military leaders, religious leaders, who have been willing to pick themselves up and begin again. So if our goal is to overcome this belief that it's just too late for me, come up with a specific action that we can check in on when we check in with ourselves at the end of the day. Did I do it? Did I not do it? Bottom line, I really believe that the only thing that's going to stand in the way of us deepening our friendships within our own home are the obstacles that we put up ourselves. We can overcome them. I want to make a final point about ambition. And this is something that I've returned to in giving advice to other husbands and dads many times over the years. I think it's probably safe to say that a lot of us listening to this talk have our own ambitions in our professional lives. We want to get promoted before others in the workplace. We want to do well. We want to take on new opportunities. We want to grow and develop in our careers. We want to be the best. I think it's a real mismatch if someone could say about us that, yeah, this guy, he's really ambitious in his professional life. When it comes to family life, he just sort of delegates it all to his wife and lets her take care of it. This isn't what we want our wives and our kids to say about us. So let's make a resolution to be as great to push the boundaries of what's possible as much in our family lives as we do in our professional lives. And one of the most fun ways we can do it is in building and fostering friendship. Hey, thanks for listening to The Dad Project. If this talk was valuable to you, please go to our website at dadproject.net and make a voluntary one-time or recurring donation to help support our operations. Any amount helps. Catch you next time at The Dad Project.